All right. In five, f- four, I'm nervous. Uh, three. <laughs> I don't know how to talk in front of a camera. Well, I don't know how to read, so it's the same thing. <laughs> it all works out. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast. Brought to you, of course, by our friends at Manscaped and Thrive Fantasy. Of course, from Manscaped, you know them, you love them. We've talked about them on just about every single show in this podcast's existence. You can use code Toogie at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping when you use code Toogie at checkout. As we've talked about previously, Valentine's Day is on the horizon. It's not too late. Make sure you're uh, make sure you're all tidied up for any special occasions. And then you might be saying, but Toogie, there are no special occasions. That's fine. Take care of yourself anyway. Look good, feel good, Endo. That's how it works. We all know this, and Manscaped can help you. Again, code Tuggy at checkout. 20% off your order, free worldwide shipping. And then again, our friends at Thrive Fantasy still have their instant match offer up to 100% uh, or up to $100 donated. They will match 100% of that. You'll get an extra $100 free when you deposit some cash at Thrive Fantasy, the number one place for prop bets. Again, the, the choice of mine in terms of of betting endo. I don't necessarily being like this team is going to win because hockey is is madness as we know. But do I like to bet on whether or not Trevor Zegras will get screwed at the All-Star Game Skills Competition? Yes, I do. And boy, yes, we will talk about that. So again, you can click the link in the description or use code Doogie at Thrive Fantasy as well. With that, Endo and I are here. We're back. Of course, it is every other Tuesday that Sin has to miss the show, which is A-OK. Because Endo, I don't know if Sin would have liked to have talked about the All-Star Weekend anyway. I don't know. <laughs> so we'll get into that in a little bit. But we get to talk about it. How was your weekend? How you feeling? Um, I'm feeling all right. I'm slightly under the weather. Uh, good news, Aren't though, is I got to uh, hang out with the uh, the guys at Bar Down. Uh, we had a hockey game and... Uh, uh, lovely fella Corwin gave me a call about an hour and a half before a game saying, hey, you want to come play? And I, I was just like passed out because I worked like a long shift doing like night cleaning at a, an event. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And I realized that the rink is like an hour away. And then I go up there by transit to get to the game. And I'm, I'm, it's all, the roads are all icy, so I was all icy. And I'm like, I'm going to walk across, you know, just go through. And I, I'm going to, about this crosswalk, I motion a car to go through. The car pulls over. It's Corwin. He's like, hey, get in the car. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> uh, it was a great game. Uh, we had, God, we had like four players on our team. And um, we had four players. And then your team had like a full, like two benches, like full, like two lines. And the, they're chirping us before they can say, yeah, this is going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be easy. We ended up winning 4 2. And they never played hockey again. <laughs> oh my god! This is um. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, this was uh, really god. really funny because um, if some people do know uh the story. There was a video that got um posted onto um TSN's page, uh, basically asking if there was like how much would someone have to be paid to join another team. That the whole point was like mm-hmm. they were basically trying to pay uh, a player like, hey, come on, come on, our team, we'll give you like two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks, like uh, and like a brand new like, uh. What's that stick with the fucking hole in it? I can't remember. The Bauer, like, reflex. Oh, God. I'm uh, horrible with like the uh, snapshot. With equipment name. I know what you're talking about. Though, yeah, yeah, like that one with the, the stupid little hole in the middle that, like, Nylander used for a bit and, like, made it famous. Um, we played that same team today. 
And that video got taken down because their center and their captain was like, if we get used in their legacies, we're going to like sue and all that. And yeah. And then it was really funny because like they were like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. And then like they they're like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. <laughs> and that video got taken down, unfortunately. So we saw them again. And I think we were up when we, we finished the game. It was like four two, like 10 seconds left. The game's done. And then you see one guy just come straight through like the middle of the ice as if like he's like breakaway needs to win the game. Like, dude, the game's over. Like, come on. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. That's why I said they're never going to play hockey again. They were clearly embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, so. aside from hey. that, I've been all right. Uh, you know, uh, trying to sleep out this cold. Uh, I'm good. That's the way to do it, to be honest. Instead oh, yeah. of just suffering through it, just try to sleep it off. Do yeah. the same exact thing. I have an abundance of tea, so everyone on the visual side, um, just heads up. If you just see me just gobbling tea, it's 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 okay. It's I'm I'm fine. I promise. Uh, <laughs> if you are sick, I recommend you getting. Uh, we're not sponsored by these guys, but David's Tea Buddha Blend, greatest fucking blend ever. Mm. <laughs> nice and soothing. You put a little peach in there, you're good. We will accept the check in the mail. <laughs> Thank you. Suki, how are you? Uh, so with that. Getting into today's show, uh, we have a couple of viewer questions, nothing too crazy here, because for the most part, a lot of these, I don't think we're going to be able to properly answer right now. There was a lot of questions in regards to the trade deadline, uh, including one from Mr. TikTok famous, Rahil, also known as The Real Chocolate Thunder on Twitch. Now, he asked about destinations for Jeff Petrie. Now, of course, it is very well known. We've talked about it on the show. Jeff Petrie will likely not be a hab for that much longer. However, the trade deadline, Endo, is not until Monday, March 21st. We are about a month and a half away from the trade deadline. There is a long, long way to go. But I was willing to answer this question about Jeff Petrie because I think it might be the most interesting one, even more so than where someone like Claude Giroux goes. Because Jeff Petrie, do you know what Jeff Petrie's contract is? I'm afraid to look it up right now. I'm. It's a. Is it. Is it a good amount or is it a bad amount? It's a bad amount, and for a long time, he is 34 years old, making 6.25 million dollars for the next three years after this one. Oh. Until 2025. I don't mind Jeff Petrie as a player. Like, last season, he was red hot in terms of point production. This year, not so much. And the question is, well, is it the team? Is it him? Is it both? And obviously, you won't know if it's the team or what the answer to that question really is until he's off of that team. Uh, but this is a defenseman from 2017 to 2021 that put up at least 40 points every single season. Do you know how many points he has so far this year? I'm not cheating, but it's probably under 10. He has six points in Jesus. 37 games. He is on pace for less than 20. I mean, God, he's on pace for less than 15 points this year, for God's sakes. Like, it's... I don't know what the Habs do. Like, if any Habs fan is hoping for, like, a good return on Jeff Petrie, I don't see it. Like, you would think they'd have to take a bad contract back from a team that's not necessarily getting much out of that player either. Like, I hope Habs fans have their expectations in check for what this deal is going to be. 
like the only thing I can think of. Like, even a team like the Bruins, say they needed a defenseman, like the Bruins would have to trade like Derek Forbert and John. Like they, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, I don't know how many teams there are where it would work. Like I said, who wants to risk it on? over $6 million on Jeff Petrie for three more years after this when he's already 34 and having a pretty bad season. Who has the cap space to do that? Like, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the list of NHL teams and trying to think of, like, okay, who makes sense? No disrespect, San Jose? You yeah. swap Jeff Petrie for Mark Edward Vlasic, and obviously the Sharks give you a little bit more because Petrie's a little bit more useful to Mark Edward Vlasic. Like, that's... That's what you're looking at. The problem is Vlasic uh, gets paid $7 million until 2026. So, like, that is the type of deal the Habs have to be looking at. I'd, I'd hate to think that any Habs fans are like, oh, yeah, first or second round pick plus a prospect for Jeff Petrie. There's no fucking way. He makes way too much money for way too long. So I, I don't know is the answer to Habs fans out there, but do not expect much unless... Uh, your new leadership uh, combination, of course, with Jeff Gordon at the helm and uh, their new GM, Mr. Hughes there, Kent Hughes, I believe it is, unless they're able to swindle a team, mm-hmm. you're not going to get much. That or give a pickup, I think. They're going to have to probably do. I could I, Then again, you don't want to give away like a first-round pick because you're in that cusp to possibly get, uh, you know, Shane Wright, kind of like one of the nicest prospects coming out right now. And Yeah. It, it, it really puts you in like a, in a certain situation where do you keep him on there? Because I know he, he's probably going to want out unless he already has. They're saying, he's, they're saying he's already sandbagging at the moment. And I, I see I see where they're coming from. Uh, but at the same time, like you, you, you never know. Um, you could, it could just be the team itself because that team has been absolutely... I, I hate using the, the term dog shit, but that team has been absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. It, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. in the standings right now for the Habs, it's got to be one of the drastic, if not the most drastic drops we've seen for a team that made the cup final. They are worse than the Arizona Coyotes, who are in the middle of their historic tanking effort. Like, make no mistake, the Coyotes are bad on purpose. The Habs are not this bad on purpose. Montreal are still the lone team to not hit double digits and wins. Dude, they have eight wins in 44 games. Oh, my God. Okay. Remember how... I mean... Yeah. Remember how a few years ago... Um, I think it was right before COVID hit. Uh, Sorry to bring it up. But Detroit was, like, the worst team. It was, like, the worst team, like, in, like, NHL mm-hmm. history or whatever. Are they performing worse than Detroit? Like statistics. So that's what I'm looking up right now, and I'm also going to look up. You remember when Buffalo was tanking for Connor McDavid? Oh my god! I'm also going to look up that season. <laughs> <laughs> so for the Detroit Red Wings, and I'm not sure exactly what season it was. Okay, so dude, that was more recent than you'd think. Oh no! That Detroit bad team was 2019-20. Yeah, because they, they they got canceled right before. They had. 17 wins in 71 games. So obviously, you break out the calculator, you say, okay. Um, and God, what would that be? So it'd be 82 divided by 71, 17. They were on pace for 19 wins. 19. Roughly. Wow. That Red Wings team was on pace for 19 wins. The Buffalo Sabres in the McEichel draft, where they were tanking, finished. 
with 23 wins. The year before that, they the two years before that, they each had 21 wins. So the Sabres have never finished with less than 21 wins in this era where they have been terrible. The Montreal Canadiens, again, 44 games played, 8 wins. They're on pace for 14 wins, roughly 15 wins this season. They are on pace to be far worse than the Red Wings were and certainly worse than those Sabres teams were. I don't think it's really registered for people outside of Montreal just how bad this team is this year. It's absolutely stunning. And I'm so sorry to uh, <laughs> to miss the Chocolate Thunder, and especially when it's like, hey, what about Jeff Petrie? And we're like, yeah, your team, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how we ended up <laughs> getting into that, but it's a, it's a factor, obviously, because if they're not this bad, they don't look at trading Jeff Petrie this season. But... That's a tough one. The other question came from Mr. Cameron Cole, and it was in regards to one of the things we were going to talk about on this episode anyway. Uh, that is Jack Eichel. That is Jack Eichel, that subject. He says, so the Knights have to clear about $4.3 million in cap to activate Eichel off of IR. How do you think they'll do this? Now, of course, Eichel, it was shown over the weekend, is in a, uh, he, he's out of his no-contact practice jersey. He's, he's close to coming back. Like It's going to take him a little bit longer to get up to speed, but he's close. I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, maybe we saw him in Henderson for a conditioning stint. Uh, but Cap Friendly posted this. Vegas has $5.7 million available. They need 10 to activate Jack Eichel. There's only a few ways to do that. One is trade away a $4.3 plus million cap hit. The second is to place that same cap hit on LTIR, and the third would be to terminate that cap hit, which is unlikely. So I went ahead and looked at the Vegas Golden Knights. These are the players. On defense, Shade Theodore makes $5.2 million. Petrangelo makes 8.8. I can't imagine they're getting rid of either of those two. Theodore would obviously be the most likely. You let me know, Knights fans, if, that, if that's a possibility. I would hate my team forever if they got rid of $5.2 million cap hit, Shade Theodore. I think that's a steal and a half. So it brings us to the forwards. Captain Mark Stone makes $9.5 million. He's going nowhere. Pacioretty makes seven. I don't think he's going anywhere either. William Carlson at 5.9 and Marcheseau at 5. I, I can't imagine. I mean, there's Riley Smith at $5 million. I do believe Riley Smith's deal is up at the end of the year. So maybe that makes him a little bit more likely. And then you get to the obvious shout, and indeed Riley Smith's deal is up at the end of the year. The obvious shout is the move that we were all surprised by in the first place. Evgeny Dadnov. Five million bucks for this year and next. He has 21 points in 44 games, so a decent season, but that is the guy that you get rid of. And to be honest, I don't think it's going to be that difficult to get rid of him. Uh, they don't have their first this year. They have a second and the New York Rangers third. Next year, they're without their second, but have Buffalo's third. And then 2024, they have all their picks. They have draft picks. You move a second-round pick this year if it means you get to activate Jack Eichel. No doubt. And even in terms of prospects, I mean, yeah, they've gotten rid of some prospects recently. They still have some people that they could they could add in to get someone to take Evgeny Dadunov. There is no reason why the Arizona Coyotes can't be uh, calling the Vegas Golden Knights and being like, hey, we'll take Dadunov for pick prospect or whatever they want to do. Uh, I cannot imagine if Evgeny Dadunov uh, two months from now will be a Vegas Golden Knight. I think that's just the, the slam dunk answer. Uh, unless he has a no movement. 
He has a modified no trade with a 10-team list. So technically, he could put Arizona on that list. But at the same time, that's only 10 teams. You can easily find a buyer for this guy and be able to activate Jack Eichel. I don't think they're going to have any trouble with it right now. Yeah, I, I would say either Dadanov or they could be really, really sneaky and get rid of two guys uh, with two contracts like that. Get a guy, get a prospect who's on an ELC and still give away like a pick or something like that. I feel like um, Vegas is going to get really crafty and creative with their trades like they've done in the past. And I'm excited to see it. I've, I've said that like Vegas won the trade already just by grabbing Eichel in their system. The fact that he's... Mm-hmm suited up and basically ready to go is sitting on a reserve line with Nolan Patrick of all things and uh and Amadio just that's that's a that's like you won the trade and mm. if he suits up for a single game doesn't even get a point in my opinion I think they've absolutely blasted that out of the market and have absolutely fleeced them completely because that is a second overall pick who has history with injury problems, but when he's on point, he is on point. Nearly a point per game when he was healthy with the Buffalo Sabres. Say no more. That's... Yeah. Yeah. If you can... If you can... What is it? If you can play in Detroit... You can play in Buffalo, you can play anywhere. Yeah, you can play good in Buffalo. Is that a saying? It is now. If you can play good in Buffalo, you can play good anywhere. Fair enough. If you play a shit team, you can... Yeah, I guess we'll find out if it's true or not. Yeah, the only the only way the Golden Knights don't win this trade is obviously if the Sabers use the pieces that they got to go on and find success. It's but on paper, yeah, right now the best player is Jack Eichel easily. Yeah. So that is where we'd uh, where we'd side uh, with things. So again, as per usual, the Discord or uh, Twitter.com forward slash two k twenty four. We always put up questions there. Thank you guys for those. Let's move on to a couple of our different talking points here today. Uh, we, you know, I won't necessarily say we have a ton to talk about. Obviously, there wasn't that much hockey, so a day-by-day doesn't make sense. But I do want to start off by talking about hockey at the Olympics, in particular, the women's tournament so far, because the men's has not started. Uh, Canada tops Group A after beating the United States 4-2 to last night. Uh, Anne-Renee Debienne, if I'm not mistaken on the pronunciation... 51 of 53 stops in goal for Canada against the U.S. God damn it. <laughs> right? Oh, like you can't hate on a performance that great, but god damn it when you're on the receiving end of it. It sucks. But that said, I mean, Canada, obviously, both Canada and the U.S. had that idea of like, okay, we want to be the number one seed in the group. It's not surprising, obviously, that Canada ended up getting it. I mean, I'm not overly worried yet. I mean, we both know for Canada and the U.S., who cares about the group stage? It comes down to who wins the gold at the end of this. But Canada, in a group with the U.S., in a group with, and you know, you could talk about, you know, the the status of like the Russians and so on and so forth, and obviously there was some interesting moments uh, in that game against the Russians, but in regards to Canada and their performance in the group stage, Endo, 33 goals for, five against. Two of them, which means what? That equates to what? 29 and three prior to playing the U.S. in their first three games. Yeah. The top of Group B is Japan. Shout out to them. They had 13 goals for, so that's 20 less, and seven goals against, two more goals allowed. And a group that did not feature the U.S. team. 
This is, I God, correct me if I'm wrong, for anybody who knows the history of women's uh, hockey at the Olympics, like obviously Endo and I together uh, worked on a video covering the uh, initial, um, you know, the 98 Nagano games um, and covering the uh, initial women's hockey tournament as well. Uh, I don't know in that time over the past now, what, 24 years, if we have seen that dominant of a performance in the group stage. I, I imagine that's incredibly difficult to match at the very least. 33 goals, five against for Canada. It's just gross. They're so good. Yeah. Uh, another thing about the uh, the Russian national team or the uh, Olympic athletes from Russia, uh, I talked to Polina about this, and she wasn't surprised with how Russia's been doing. Um, she said that formerly, because uh, when she was playing back home in Russia, uh, when it comes to the national team and finding players for that, they usually only scout out of the major cities. So you're talking about like Moscow, uh, other places as well. St. Oh, Petersburg. St. Petersburg. Like only the, only those are the main places where you could basically pick up and scout. And I trust her word considering she played for a Moore's like junior team. Like they didn't have a women's team like when she was playing there. And she played with her junior team like growing up and was basically going to play there. I think it's MHL, VHL, like kind of that kind of thing as well. But she moved over here to Canada. And – I, I, I trust her word on it because it, it, to me it makes sense because I feel like there's a lot of talent, especially in women's hockey, especially in Russia. Um, but they're yeah. still kind of old school and that the mentality where like the woman cleans and does all this and all that. And I mean, you know, times are changing, buddy. But, you know, it's Fair making enough. an improvement, though, that's for sure. It's making an improvement, I think, because they're, they're changing their scouting areas and, you know, just generally accepting that women's hockey has a place in there as well so hmm yeah i mean I, I'm, I'm intrigued now obviously we move on to, out of the group stage to the actual tournament you know aspect of uh, the women's games here at the olympics and i'm i'm excited mm-hmm. to see what happens i mean obviously like you want to see like, we're probably getting another canada u.s matchup again it would be very surprising if we didn't and that game is also going to be must watch now something i didn't have on the sheet here but how much of the Olympics have you watched so far? I haven't watched any. I'm going to be very Damn. honest. I I've watched highlights here and there. I watched highlights of the the USA Canada game. Uh, I've been mostly watching for the goaltending because I like to study and see what I can put into my game. Uh, I'm a student. Hmm. I'm a student of the game per se. I mean, yeah. I've watched a lot. Really? Like not just the not just the hockey. The girlfriend gets super into the Olympics. Um, so I've watched a ton of figure skating so far, <laughs> like the most I've ever watched in my life. She actually used to be a figure skater too growing up. So that's been interesting. It just in terms of like, it's one of those things where it's like the more you watch it, I almost equate it to like when the summer Olympics happened technically last year, even though it was supposed to be the year before we watched a lot of like diving and that's super interesting too. Cause you start to notice the small things like the first time you watch, it's like, I don't understand why points were deducted there. And then you start to watch a bit more and you're like, oh, yeah, no, they screwed up that little rotation by like uh, this little bit. Like it doesn't take very long before you start to like be able to like hyper analyze a certain moment. It's it's interesting. I got to watch the um, did you see the picture of like the big air jump that's like next to like the old steel plant that looks like the freaking Springfield power plant in The Simpsons? Yeah. But, like, oh they had, God. like, numerous moments of, like, 
like both men and women skiing and doing like the the big air tricks and it's like that was ridiculous yeah because it's like you sit there and it's like they're at the top of this thing and the camera's focusing on them but you can see little cars in the background it's like how high up are they it's just it's insane yeah um so that shout out to the men's super g which is the most hilarious named event (laughs) uh where it's just how fast can you ski down this mountain oh my god and it's outrageous so yeah. i've had a lot of fun so far yeah so that reminds me to a story that i um you might if i just go on this tangent a little bit uh, a few years ago hey sin's not here tangent away <laughs> so um a few years ago i was working with uh burton uh with their program called chill which is like a non-profit where you teach um kids uh different like life lessons through board sports so you go to a mountain uh randomly during the week and just learn different life aspects and everything how to incorporate it with snowboarding which is super awesome uh, I got the chance to fly out over to Colorado for the Burton U.S. Open, and they had it unveiled for the first time in, like, years. Uh, I actually met, like, Jake and Donna Carpenter, like, you know, like, the co-founders of Burton, and had interviews with them and how to improve the program, yada, yada, yada. So I went there, and this was, like, a legit, like, mountain, mountain. Like, not, like, a little, like, hill or a mountain. Everyone, like, in, in GTA is, like, we don't really have any mountains here. We have, like, hills. Like, this is, like, legit, like, fucking mountain. And they had all these, like, jumps set up and everything. And, like, when you look on TV, you're like, oh, shit, that's not really that high. And then you look up and you're like, holy crap. Like, it's uh-huh. huge. It's And, like, these guys are basically jumping off of these fucking things with, like, only a helmet and, like, some, like, maybe some padding underneath through, like, sweatpants and all that. Uh, my God, it was great. Uh, and... My favorite part about it, though, is when people just like after the ride has gone through, after the round's gone through, people will just hop over the edge and just go down like the um the course themselves and just hop and just hijack it. It, it was sick. It was awesome. It is outrageous. I've been able to see people do stuff like that in person. But yeah, no, it's absolutely nuts. So, hey, watch the Olympics if you can. It's it's fun. In terms of other hockey topics, uh, just a couple general points here. You know, we kind of mentioned. Jack Eichel and whether or not he would get games in Henderson to warm up. Tuka Rask was supposed to get games with the Providence Bruins. Those were postponed. He comes up to the Bruins and hasn't looked great so far, if we're just being honest. And now it's at the point where he will not play for the rest of this week as the Bruins get back to playing uh, for, quote, body issues for his age with the comeback. So That is a quote. That is one of the... That's the that's the basic way of saying he came back way too soon and was not ready yep. at all. Um, Correct. Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, we we would call it um, uh, lockdown body here. Uh, whereas you come back from a sport where you haven't been played for a while, like rings were closed. So I hadn't came back in like what three months, four months, five months until they opened the back up again, and I was just dog shit. Mm. That's basically what it was. It was just. You know, just no hockey, no sports, no that thing on that same level, and then your body does your body doesn't get used to coming back to it too soon. I think if they were able to sign him a little bit later, or I think there's probably a certain clause with how long you can be on like a professional tryout for. That might mm. be the reason why he couldn't go back on a tryout and get sent down. Because now if he gets sent down, he's on waivers. And I'm pretty sure. Could Ed- you not pull the Jason Spezza if you claim me I'll retire card, though, to get Tukaras down to Providence? I'm pretty sure some team would do that just out of spite. 
I think you're right. Exactly. And their name, the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> With the worst goal differential in the league. So, yeah, I hope this isn't the end for Tuca and that they find a way to make this happen. Jeremy Swayman's back up at the team. I actually think he gets the start tonight, or at least in their next game. I think it's tonight. Um, it's concerning, is pretty much what I can say about it. As well as um, first two games back for the NHL were last night, as weird as that is. Austin Matthews looked to have been injured uh, by an accident on the knee to the head from Brett Pesci. Let's hope he's okay. Yeah. I mean, even though, obviously, like I am not a Leafs fan, Endo is, but even I am hoping that, like, hey, this guy, hopefully he's okay. Like, you never want to see one of the star players in the league. Unless you're a piece of shit and you're like, yeah, I'm so glad Austin Matthews got hurt. I'm going to go watch the, the Sens. Uh, <laughs> like... Just hopefully is okay. Um, obviously, like I think the league right now is more interesting, as you should too, when the top stars are at 100% health, uh, especially. like If the Leafs lose in the first round again because Austin Matthews isn't there or John Tavares is hurt, it's not as fun. It's not as fun. If a really good team loses, it's way more fun when they have no excuse other than you fucking blew it. That's why Sharks fans love you know, clapping back at, at Knights fans so much is because the Knights have pretty much no excuse over the past couple of years. Correct me if I'm wrong there. Um, you know, like, it wasn't as fun when the Avalanche lost because it's like, oh, yeah, I know, you're, be you're beat to shit. That's not as fun. So, hoping again that Austin Matthews is uh, okay. I don't know if you've seen anything that would uh, indicate that he is okay or not at some point today. Yeah, last time the, the Sheldon Keith said anything was no comment. I saw the hit, and it was not... It was not deliberate. People were saying, oh, he's sick his head back. He's sick his knee back. They hit him. I was like, no, he was just in stride. It's an accident. It happens. The same thing happened with uh, Tavares. And yeah, like, I don't know what else you, you, you want. Like, like, people read in this, people are reading into stuff way too much. And I feel like you just gotta just calm the fuck down. I Someone's hurt. I would understand it more if it was someone that has a history, but it's it's Brett Pesci. Yeah. Like, I don't recall anything ever about Brett Pesci and being a dirty player. Like, I've never heard anything like that. Does he even have, like, a fight in his career? He has one fight in his career against Mark Shifley in January of 2020. I can't imagine this is the most physical player in the world that plays with that edge that crosses the line sometimes. Like, it's just that's not Brett Pesci's game from what I know of it at the very least. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it, the, you know, I don't want to throw out the usual suspects' names because, hey, it's not fair to them. They weren't involved here. But if it was someone else that has a bit more of a reputation, I'd understand that. But, right. Yeah. Also, quick shout out to Wayne Simmons for absolutely beating the lights off of Brendan Smith in the first period of that game. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't count the Wayne train out, baby. He just absolutely tuned him. Had him on the bench. Had him on there. Skated around with him for a little bit. He just kept going. Jesus. Brendan Smith's a big dude. Too, yeah, he so. got ragdolled by a guy who's like 180. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> How do you feel? Uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, speaking of reputation, the Tampa Bay Lightning have re-signed Patrick Maroon for two years at $1 million per uh, so we will see you all in 2025 when the Lightning finally don't win a cup because they have Patrick Maroon. They're going for what? What would that be at that point? The five, Pete? The six, Pete? Yeah. For God's sakes. The five, oh, Pat. God. 
There you go. Well, that's the episode title. There you go. Five Pat. <laughs> it's the Five Pat. Uh, as well, did you see, because we never really had too much of a chance to talk about this, especially for someone who's going to be drafted next year and not this year, the Connor Bedard goal against the Calgary Hitmen. Chef's kiss. That was that was dirty. That's a you know what that is? That is a goal that the EA NHL um marketing team is gonna use for their next footage for tw- NHL 23. Because that is like a typical toe drag, tween the leg, top shelf, done. Beautiful. Yeah, there's no reason to not use that by the way that highlight video for nhl 23 they'll have like i wonder if they'll make it so you can like zegris michigan pass over the back of the goal yeah that'll be the next thing people have already been doing that since uh they added the um the datsuk uh the datsuk flip into the game so what people do is yeah. they'll go behind the net datsuk flip and have a guy in front of the bat and then so nhl did mm. it first yeah nhl did it first there you go couple of front office changes around the league, too, and I only bring this up because I mentioned him last week in terms of Danny Briere and the role that he has had. Uh, he has officially uh, be- become a part of the Philly front office, at least more so than he was. Uh, special assistant to the GM. Whatever the hell that means. I fucking hate <laughs> in terms that. of a title. What is it? Like, I'm going to quote fucking Elon Musk of all people, but he said, like, there's only, like, three actual, like, titles of names you need in the company. Everything else is just made up. Are just kind of like fitting in there. So it's like, is he getting Chuck Fletcher's coffee? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Oh man, he's like Danny. Sh- I need you to go get my dry cleaning. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Just, just to get him on payroll. Some other excuse to get him on payroll. Scott Niedermeyer becomes special advisor to hockey ops in Anaheim. What does that even mean? <laughs> It's not surprising to see these two guys sign up with the teams they signed up with. Obviously, they have a great history for both of those clubs. But special advisor to hockey ops and special assistant to the GM. I love these titles. Just call them. I love them just so call much. them like wanna check? <laughs> wanna check? <laughs> sign here. Scott Niedermeyer is officially getting a paycheck from the Anaheim Ducks again. Yeah. That's the press release. That's all you need. And speaking of someone potentially getting another paycheck. We talked about it. It was rumored. It's official now. Chicago has officially interviewed Peter Shirelli for their vacant or, you know, uh, long-term GM position. And apparently they also uh, interviewed the former GM of the Chicago Cubs. When's the last time you heard about someone from outside of hockey getting interviewed? Like, I mean... (laughs) So, if Kyle Dubas goes, are the Leafs going to try to bring in Masai? (laughs) Oh my god! Could you imagine Some random like player from like the one hockey player from Africa? They just bring it in through like they grab the top player from the Kenyan uh, ice hockey team just to play on the Leafs, and he becomes a stud, the Pascal Siakam of the of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. But I like, mean, I I could I could see it. Yeah, I, you never know. You, hockey is a growing sport, um, but uh, look. I know, like, we talked about, like, the, the Michigan pass with Zegers and how you can bat pucks in, but like, I don't think you needed to go that literally, but grabbing a baseball GM, unless they do understand hockey and how it works differently, unless they're bringing in the analytics approach, which baseball is very, very Moneyball-esque now. Um, I mean, you saw how that worked over for Arizona, right? Mm. 
uh, like, I don't know. They could be, it's either going to be like a beautiful aspect that's going to work or it's going to be absolutely terrible. And I think at this point they're trying anything because of their track record over the past fucking, what, year and a half, two years now? Yeah. And it got worse over the weekend too, but to be honest, um, not today. Yeah. Just not today. We all we <laughs> all know. We I th- I'm pretty sure everyone's aware of it. Just not. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing that we have to talk about today. We are fresh off of NHL All-Star Weekend. Fortunately, neither of us got to go. Seemed like it would have been a great place uh, or a great time to go to, but it is what it is. I want to talk about the individual events. Now, did you watch, at the very least, the All-Star Skills Comp, or at least see the highlights? I saw whatever Deke posted on Twitter. <laughs> Deke, Fair okay, enough. friend of the show, great guy, great dad, Deke Slayer, uh, at Deke Slayer on Twitter. And he's actually, I think he's live right now on Twitch, if you're catching it right now. He's always live, like, 6, 6, 6 p.m. Eastern. He, he was having the time of his life. Oh, my God. He looked like a, like a kid on Christmas, like, it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It was it was wild. Everything's like meeting the mascots, meeting up with Monkey Dude, also friend of the channel, um, and the podcast. Be Monkey Dude twenty two on on Twitter, who helped film a lot of what the mascots did. Yeah. Uh, over the weekend, did you see the <laughs> who was it? I forget what mascot flipped it over the back of the net. I think was it Spartacat. Yeah, Spartacat. like some mascot. Flipped it over the back of the net, and Gritty just slams it home on a baseball <laughs> swing and holds the stick up in front of him, just, just mic drops the stick. <laughs> that was the highlight of the weekend for me. Oh, that was so good. Oh, my God. Like, here's the thing, right? In terms of mascots, like, we used to think, okay, you have to be able to skate. And then we learned with, with the Howler that you don't have to actually be able to skate <laughs> to be a mascot. But... Like, as it turns out, like, comedic timing is obviously so important for mascots. Gritty, whoever is behind Gritty, is maybe, like, top three all-time already. Like, the only mascot I can really think that rivals Gritty in terms of comedic timing is whoever's been playing Benny the Bull. Yeah. Benny the Bull is a baller. Holy like those are the two mascots that comes to mind, or that come to mind for me when I think of hilarious mascot moments. Yeah. And Gritty's already up there, and I was fully on the "What the hell is this?" bandwagon, but they leaned so hard into the meme with Gritty that it just works. It yeah. works so well. I think him, but yeah, I, the comedic timing for whoever plays Gritty is top notch it's insane i think it's those two or like there was a one period of time where the toronto raptors mascot the toronto raptor was like a blow-up kind of like thing for a bit <laughs> the dunk where <laughs> the, the clip where he jumps on the trampoline to dunk and he gets no air just face plants <laughs> on the crash <laughs> and then, okay we, we have our top three <laughs> It's no I forgot all about that until you just mentioned the raptor, and I'm I like, was, oh my god, it was the raptor. I was thinking of the one where he's like, the, like they, I think they were switching between mascots or whatever, or like different like suits, and then like he, they had like like one of those like inflatable like uh, you know, like one of those like sumo suits kind of, where it's like mm-hmm. inflatable like that, but like as like a Toronto Raptor mascot. And like he was going through, one of them was like he he like he was eating things on the court, and he like eats a cheerleader. And I'm like this is the, like that was like super funny. But now that I remember the dog where he gets no hair. <laughs> I 
gotta look that up. Oh my god. Just the best. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in regards to sports. It's great. In terms of the events, and if you hear Endo bust out laughing out of nowhere, it's because it's gonna be the Raptor Dog. <laughs> I wanna start off with talking there it is. No, there's another one where like he's just walking down the stairs as the, as the blow up one, and he just fucking eats shit. He just <laughs> Sorry. Okay, go on. Go on. Oh, God. I just, I love the autofill for Toronto Raptor mascot is fail. Each cheerleader. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> the top two results. Oh, God, it's the best. And his rivalry with Devin Booker oh, yeah. uh, from a couple weeks ago, which was also incredible. <laughs> you don't see players get pissed off at mascots too much, but... God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you the the dunk one again because I feel like you need a laugh right now. Oh, share it on Twitter. Oh yeah, TV or Twitter.com/slash Endomills. There There you go. go. And Twitch.tv forward slash Endomills. Just sit here and (laughs) laugh at the Raptor. In terms of the All Star game and the or at least the All Star events, right? I want to start off by talking about the Fountain Face Off, where players stood in the middle of the Bellagio Fountain. It was won by Zach Wierenski. Uh, another impressive performance. Every time they have a professional women's player, uh, Jocelyn Lamoureux-Davidson this time, they're always very impressive. Mm-hmm. But my God, did like they show no personality, as in the players, especially Jordan Eberle. Like Jerry D of Canadian Family Feud host was kind of the, the MC for this, and I'm sorry, he did not come off great. Like... When he asked Jordan Eberle, so Jordan, what's the best thing about being with the new team in Seattle? And Jordan Eberle responds, it's new. Like, <laughs> come on, man. You're just, you're murdering the segment. Like, horrible. <laughs> just came off horribly this entire segment. And then everyone's like, yeah, it's cold out here. Yeah, you're in the middle of a fucking fountain. It's going to be cold. Oh 55 God. degrees in goddamn Vegas at the time. And I'm dealing with goddamn negative six Fahrenheit. I love fucking. Like, it's cold. I love dry humor like that. Like when Stammer's like, <laughs> Stammer's like, man, it's cold out here. I've been playing fifteen years in fucking Florida. Get me out of here. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. Then there was the twenty-one and twenty-two, basically NHL blackjack. It was won by Joe Pavelski. This one was a little bit better in terms of the personalities. Like you had, uh, you know, Brady Kachuk getting razzed and everything. Joe Pavelski, I thought, was hilarious. The format was weird, though, because it's like, oh, well, shit, these guys aren't going to shoot. Everyone's on 21. All right, we go to the overtime period. Oh, shit, uh, well, these these three guys won't even get a chance to shoot because the cards aren't there. Like, it just, eh. Yeah. I, I thought it was more entertaining than the fountain face-off, but at the same time, I don't think those two Vegas-centric events went over very well at all. Um, especially to, like, the people in the arena, from what I heard from our friends that went... Most people just got up and went to the bathroom, got something to eat, went to buy merch because you're in the arena. You don't want to watch something on TV. You don't want to watch something on the screen. Just be like, oh, yeah, that was fun. So that's not, yeah, I don't know. Anytime they, like, honestly, like last, the last time they did this too in St. Louis, right? Where they had that event where they were shooting from the stands. Oh, my God. But it, it was totally fucked because, like, the closest targets were worth the most. As opposed to the distance targets that weren't worth as much. Like, anytime they do, like, a city-centric set of events, it does not seem to go over well. So I highly recommend they stop, please. Mm -hmm. Fastest skater was won by Jordan Kairou. 
It was entertaining, but why isn't there a second heat? Each guy gets one lap, and then it's over. Fastest Skater is far more entertaining than anything they did Vegas-centric, yet this was one of the fastest events of the night because every player gets just one lap. Like, you need at least two laps. Like, And we'll talk about it, but hardest shot, they get two shots, not just one. So why in Fastest Skater are you limited to just one lap? It doesn't make sense. But as the girlfriend mentioned, Jordan Cairo, one of the few players with short hair, so he must have been a little bit more aerodynamic, and thus he won the, he won the competition. You know, she's not wrong. It's just science. She's not wrong. <laughs> you can't argue with it. So yeah, I don't know. Fastest skater is fun. I don't put too much stock into it. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's not the same as being fast on the ice. Like You're not going to be like, yeah, I want Jordan Cairo over Connor McDavid now. Like yeah. That's not going to happen. I think I touched on it last uh, last podcast where it's, there's a difference between going straight and being able to go through someone like a fucking running back. It's it's different. Yeah, and at the same time, uh, while carrying the puck. Yeah. You know? I forgot about that part, too. That part's kind of important. Yeah. Kind of. The worst event of the night, the save streak competition, where they teamed up goaltenders by division... I don't even remember who won. I don't care enough to look it up. Like, just the, the concept of, like, how many saves in a row can the goalies make, to me, is just, eh. I get you want to get goalies involved, but I would have much rather seen, like, the pass accuracy event that they used to have, especially, like, the Sedins used to crush it, where it would just be like, oh, yeah, you're at center ice, and you got to hit the small-ass shinny net over there, and so on and so forth. Like, that was more entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Like, you did have the highlight of, of Kreider hitting the, the Kucherov, which was cool. Like, he had a couple of nice goals. Clayton Keller had a pretty nice goal. But that's the thing, right? I was more entertained by what the skaters were doing than the goalies. But the event is supposed to be focused on the goalies. I just don't think it works very well. And that's going to be the majority of my criticisms for the All-Star. Endo, any surprise that Victor Hedman won hardest shot against Adam Pellick, uh, Timo Meyer, and Tom Wilson? (laughs) Okay, um, no surprise at all, but I think one of the funniest moments of that segment was they're talking about sticks, and Tom Wilson mm-hmm. specifically got a different stick, and he this remember this is in Vegas, so mm-hmm. they're they're talking about sticks. I mean, like, oh, you got a you got a you got a eighty seven Ike like Eichel stick. He's like, yeah, uh, I'm surprised that uh, that Vegas has these. I wonder why. Does everyone just forget that, like, Vegas has Jack Eichel? Yeah, until you get the reminder, and then we'll forget again until he's in their lineup. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. The breakaway challenge. <sighs> Mini Jack Hughes. Al- or should I say Alan DeBrinkett's uh, hangover tribute. Kirill Kaprizov's Ovechkin tribute. Trevor Zegras. With the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. But Alex Petrangelo wins because home team. Despite the fact that he missed the net, I believe, twice. Could you imagine? And now this wasn't the case. But the 2000 NBA dunk contest, the one that Vince Carter just went off. That was held in Oakland. There were no Golden State Warriors in that dunk contest. But could you imagine 
if the NBA just went like, no, nah, but sorry, this guy who plays for the home team, he wins over Vince Carter. Could you fucking imagine? Like, I get that it's the goddamn skills comp, but Jesus Christ, it just ma- it makes them look so poor at the idea that Trevor Zegras does this. Like, where... I'm not asking for integrity, but I'm asking for integrity. It's the skills competition. And yet you're like, ah, Petrangelo wins. Like, just the dumbest. The dumbest. But that Zegras goal, absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, it's rigged, uh, I think. Uh, it's, it's, you said it yourself, it's rigged. We're going to get to the rest of the, the events, but there's just so much... So much polit I don't want to say politicizing, but just like it's, it's an event to have fun. Like just I don't think that Petrangelo or Peter Angelo, as Jesse calls him, um, should like be the winner because he's the home home guy. Have a better goal. Hit the net. What are you Paul missed? Had two chances to hit the net. Yeah. He got two chances? <laughs> I believe so, yeah. What? That's what I'm hearing people say. To Zegers be honest, I'm like, okay, Zegers. To he be was... honest, Zegers scored, and I went to the bathroom and came back and found out he lost, and I couldn't fucking believe. It. Yeah, I went. <laughs> <laughs> you got so mad, you took another shit. God damn it! <laughs> the accuracy shooting competition. Thank God they went back to the paper plate format. Oh my god! You know, with the four uh, the four targets in the corner. Do you remember what they had a couple years ago? It was like a fucking... with the the machine where they'd hit it. And it wouldn't register that they hit it, oh, and it was yeah. just a, it was just a nightmare. It's like why, why? Like the the most NHL thing ever, right? Like there's nothing more simplistic and easy for anyone to other to understand than there are four targets in each corner of the goal. You have to hit them. The end. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do. And instead, they tried to make it like automated. A couple of years ago, and it was just awful, and they'd hit targets, and they wouldn't work. Like, Brock Besser broke a target, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Like, just styrofoam targets are perfect. Thank you. Jesus. Um, Sebastian Ajo uh, won it by going 4 for 4 He was the first person. I, now, I do believe uh, Brock Besser, I think, technically even went 5 for 5 because of that weirdness. But uh, Ajo was the first person to go 4 for 4 since Daniel Sedin in 2011. Um, the seventh player in general to do it, Ray Bork, was the first player to do it and also still the only player to do it twice. So, shout out to Ray Bork. But uh, impressive from Sebastian Ajo, honestly. Yeah. Good good shoots. He, he did your job. I like it. He, he's got the good shoots. Yeah. Yeah. See? And then there was the All-Star game that I didn't watch because it sucks. <laughs> Like, outright talked to Deke Slayer last night. He's like, yeah, once the Pacific Division got eliminated, half the arena left because it's all <laughs> Golden Knights fans. Nobody gives a shit. The three-on-three format, like, is... It's fine, but just nobody cares. Like, we all know the players aren't going to try that hard. If you want the players to try mid-NHL season, what do you do? You get them to go to the Olympics. That's when they would have tried hard. I understand why they didn't, but just nobody tries. Claude Giroux was named MVP, so for once, while he's a member of the Philadelphia Flyers, he actually got to win something. Um, just, it just sucks. Yeah. It's not, it's just, it's just like the Pro Bowl, just like the All-Star game, like, unless you have it mean something. 
unless you got a butt ton of money on the line. Like, it's not enough to be like, I don't know what type of car Claude Giroux won, but here's a millionaire Claude Giroux. You won a Subaru Outback. Like, he's not going to get, he wouldn't wipe his ass with a Subaru Outback. It's Claude Giroux. What's he going to do with the fucking Subaru? He's going to donate that shit or give it to somebody. What the hell is he going to do with it? That reminds me of the year uh, when they had the draft and Phil Kessler got picked last. And Obi's like, I want to get picked last. I really need a car. <laughs> I really need right, a it's car. a meme amongst the players. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, uh, my, my final thoughts on the All-Star. It was just, ugh, just it, it's the same thing. I can't help but tune into the skills comp. And even the skills comp this year really kind of sucked. Like, it's just... It's not good. Mm-hmm. They need to find some way to make it more interesting. And they had it with the breakaway challenge, but then they just go for the hometown pop. Like, just, oh, God, it's just, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. I would much rather see a game of anything like I don't think you'd want to do NHL versus AHL because the AHLs would try really hard and someone might get hurt but like there's got to be a more interesting way to handle this because the three-on-three tournament isn't it the only time the three-on-three tournament has ever been interesting is when John Scott was out there and that's not because the tournament was interesting it's because John Scott was there yeah that's that's I think what they should be doing for the all-star game is get uh, the top players of the league. This is what I think they should have done with the uh, the national series where they get, when they went over and played over different countries, different franchises, and all that. They should mm-hmm. grab that and grab these all stars from all different regions. Leagues are very very similar in level together, so like that and just have fun, skate with guys you've never heard of before, and just you know enjoy. Like have former NHLers against other like future NHLers and stuff like that. Like. I think that's the best way to do it. One thing, though, that I really, really do like um, is how salty all the Leaf fans got when I said the Leafs can't even escape the first round of the All-Star game because the Atlantic got <laughs> launched out of the they got launched out of the out of the first round. And I believe historically oh, they've never gotten out of that first round since the, um, the, the, the introduction of the three on three. So, you know what? I'll, I'll take the heat. I'll... Play better. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Be like Claude Giroux. With that, just, everybody. Oh, be like Claude Giroux and just absolutely wax the floor with everybody. There was a meme yeah. that was like, uh, never underestimate the size of your opponent. It's like a, a, a do- like a, like a instructor with a kid. Like you like, I think it's during like karate. And then hit next frame mm-hmm. is him just flipping him. And it's just like super blurry of the kid just flying over. I think you can find it. Hmm. With that, everybody. We knew we wouldn't have too much to talk about today, so that will do it for us. We do thank you, of course, for listening. As always, we will be back this Friday uh, with more. Of course, Mr. Symphony when we'll be back as well, and hopefully we have a little bit more to talk about. Although, you know, this nice little abbreviated episode, still almost an hour. I had fun. It was a good time, even though, again, the NHL All-Star game sucks. It absolutely sucks. Uh, you will be able to find Mr. Endo Mills on Twitter at Endo Mills. On Twitch at Endo Mills. Imagine that. I am everywhere at Tookie24. You can catch catch both of us streaming on a near nightly basis over on Twitch. There's the YouTube side of things. 
big changes coming to the YouTube side of things this year. Everybody. Oh, yeah. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts. Speaking of nuts, Manscaped again. Code to get checkout. 20% off your order free worldwide shipping. Of course, check out our other sponsors as well. You can find their links in the description. Endo, you get to close the show today. What's it going to be? You know, when you said, like, I am everywhere, I just pictured you just kind of like, someone's watching your video and you're in the corner like, yeah, do you like the video? Yeah, like and subscribe. We need that support right now. Hit that CPM. Get that up higher. Let's go. Thank you guys for watching and listening and tuning in. Uh, have a good one. Enjoy yourselves. And uh, go Claude Giroux. To another team where you might actually fucking win something. <laughs> <laughs>